Hi, welcome to episode one of Global Exchanges, a podcast about foreign exchange markets and related issues. I'm Greg Anderson. I will be joined by my co-host Stephen Gallo in this episode. Together, we will discuss background issues and pertinent details regarding this week's virtual meeting of G20 finance ministers and central bankers. The title for this episode is G20 in a New Era in Search of Common Ground. Hi, I'm Stephen Gallo, a London-based FX strategist. Welcome to Global Exchanges, presented by BMO Capital Markets. Hi, I'm Greg Anderson, a New York-based FX strategist. I'm Stephen's co-host. In each weekly podcast like today's, we discuss our perspectives on the global economy and the foreign exchange market. We also bring in guests from the FX industry and from related financial markets like commodities. We strive to make this show as interactive as possible, so don't hesitate to reach out by going to bmocm.com slash global exchanges. Thanks for joining us. The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of BMO Capital Markets, its affiliates or subsidiaries. Hi, Stephen. So here we are, Tuesday, February 23rd. What are you looking at in in your currencies uh, in your part of the world in London? So definitely on the radar screen this week is the meeting of G20 finance ministers and central bank officials. At the end of the week, they're going to be issuing their normal communique following that meeting. That will be of interest. And I also think the comments from Christine Lagarde regarding the rise in longer term interest rates, the fact that the central bank was monitoring this closely, that too is an important factor that should be given attention by FX investors. I think also for the dollar and the currencies that I cover, the G20 will be an important moment. It'd be very interesting to see how Yellen represents the U.S.'s perspective at the G20. Uh, And then the other thing that is very topical here, it's the spike in long-term bond yields. And what does that mean for related financial markets such as foreign exchange? So, Stephen, the G20 is being chaired by Italy this year. Isn't that right? That's right, Greg. Italy is the chair of the G20 this year, so they'll be hosting the meeting And that means that Italy is also the master editor for the communique, which will be released after the virtual meeting takes place later this week. In terms of the logistics, the finance minister of Italy and the central bank governor will be hosting the press conference that takes place after the virtual meeting on Friday. And that's going to take place at 5.15 local time, 5.15 p.m. local time. That's 11.15 a.m. Eastern time in the United States. On the subject of past G20 statements, it strikes me as interesting that the last time the G20 mentioned anything about currencies in the communique was February 2020. And even then, the commitment was kind of vague, referencing past commitments to not competitively uh, devalue currencies, which were uh, made in, for example, 2018. My question is to you, Do you think the language needs to be revamped? And what, from your perspective, is Yellen representing the U.S. side going to be pushing for at this particular G20? So, Stephen, I think you've hit on something important. It's been so long since the G20 communique went through full language on foreign exchange that I I think that they need to do it again, even if it is a repeat of what they said in 2018. And I'm going to read to you what, what they said then. 
They said, we recognize that excessive volatility or disorderly movements in exchange rates can have adverse implications for economic and financial stability. We will refrain from competitive valuations and will not target our exchange rates for competitive purposes. I think they have to say it again, even if they say just that. In terms of other things that Yellen might push for, uh, I I think there are several. So first off, verbal intervention. The U.S. has previously, going back to 90s and, and 2000s, often encouraged G7 communiques you know, basically we're framed from, from verbal intervention. That might be something that, that Yellen would push for this time around. Secondarily, you know, through the pandemic, the U.S.'s trade deficit has gotten substantially worse and trade surpluses in, in other parts of the world have, have gotten bigger. And I think the U.S. might push for recognition of that fact and, and the fact that uh, those d- imbalances might be destabilizing and should be reduced over the medium term. So, Stephen, that said, what do you think Europe and China might push for? So in terms of the Europe and China angle, I think this is where a degree of awkwardness within the G20 becomes apparent because trade surpluses are important for both the Chinese and the European economies. And we know that both central banks in question, uh, the PBOC and the European Central Bank, are pretty sensitive to moves in their currencies for different reasons. And over the past few months in particular, the ECB has expressed a strong desire for a slow or non-existent pace of euro appreciation. So I think the representatives of these jurisdictions uh, at this G20 meeting are going to be pressing for relatively loose language when it comes to exchange rates and pretty much no discussion of global imbalances. That would be my angle. My question, I guess, to you, where I would throw it back to you, Greg, is what are the elements do you think that these these officials can work together on? What can they all agree on? Well, uh, nothing pulls everyone together into a big group hug like having a common external enemy. And in this case, uh, I think G20 finance ministers do have a common enemy, and that common enemy is rising yields. We've had a big spike in five-year and longer uh, duration yields, I would say, centered in the U.S. Uh, over the last couple of months, and it is propagating. So what you know, what can they agree on? They can agree on that, that this is bad and they, they would like it to stop. Well, Greg, on that point about yields that you just made, going back to what Lagarde said yesterday regarding the fact that the ECB was monitoring the move in long-term yields closely, I think it's probably deliberate that that language was used specifically because those utterances are similar to what we've heard the central banks say in the past about exchange rates. So the the takeaway here, I think, has to be that not only does the central bank want to limit the pace of euro appreciation, they're also looking to slow any impact that higher yields might have on the euro too. I guess I would talk toss it back to you by saying, how do you think yields are impacting the dollar right now? You know, it's interesting. U.S. 10-year yields have been rising really since uh, the beginning of August. You know, we were about 60 basis points then. We rose up to call it 95 basis points at the end of the year. And throughout that entire period, the U.S. dollar index declined uh, rather steadily. So it didn't seem that that rising yields had an impact on the dollar. Thus far in 2021, I mean, the story has been a little bit different. We broke through one the figure on the 10-year yield up up to uh, about 120. And, you know, the dollar paused. Equities continued to rally. 
it didn't seem like there was a clear transmission of the rate move to foreign exchange, but the dollar did pause. In the move over the last few days, as 10-year yields have gone from, you know, we'll call it uh, 120 to 135 or whatever, there does seem to be more transmission to the dollar, but it's not straightforward if you're looking at the dollar index. And the reason why is, is the dollar has rallied against emerging currencies. So an example would be on the dollar MEX axis, we've, we've seen a substantial move higher. Uh, but at the same time, the, the dollar has declined against safe havens. So, you know, an example there, uh, dollar yen uh, has moved from, uh, call it 106, down to, down to 105. And at the end of the day, the, the index movement is, is muddied, but there has been a clear decline in risk-sensitive currencies and, and a rally in safe havens. I guess at, at this point, Stephen, I, I throw it back to you, euro dollar. Is it a safe haven or or a risk-sensitive currency? And actually, here's my question. We're sitting at 121 and a half. Do you think we're more likely to see 123 the figure or 120 the figure over the next few weeks? Good question, Greg. I think euro dollar is a difficult pair to trade right now. If anything, euro dollar is probably in a migration phase between uh, a risk-on currency pair and and something else. But what that something else is, we don't really know right now. Look, there's a confluence of factors. I think involved here. On the one hand, you've got the flows picture for the U.S. dollar, the the trade picture for the 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 U.S. dollar. On the other hand, you have the ECB's influence on the euro, uh, particularly what the ECB has doing uh, on the issue of exchange rates, and more recently what Lagarde has said about interest rates yesterday. And then at the same time, you have FX investors nervously watching U.S. yields. I could also cite evidence for you in a number of non-dollar euro cross rates where the euro has been performing actually as a better funding currency than a risk-on, risk-off currency uh, like it might be normally the case in euro dollars. So I think for the time being, we're going to be 120, 122, whereas you buy at 120 in euro dollar and, and you look to sell rallies above 122, for the time being anyway. Uh, I guess the question I have for you then, Greg, is what about dollar CAD? What, what, what do you think the, the near-term outlook holds for dollar CAD? I feel like we have gotten to a spot where probably the exchange rate is stuck. So we have what I would call is really firm support at 125, the figure that I, I suspect will be difficult to break. But at the same time, the direction of flows, I believe, is pushing the pair lower. Uh, and certainly the influence of higher energy prices is helping push the pair lower. So I would give you, a you know, a, for the next several weeks, an outlook that we're likely to stay 125, the figure to 127. And if we got up towards the top end of that range, uh, it would be an attractive selling point. Let me um, toss it back to you, Stephen. We've seen a, a range in dollar China, 640 to 650 over the last few weeks. Which of those two figures do you think breaks next, 640 or 650? I think, Greg, we're likely to see 650 next. And in, in, in a sense, I kind of hope we do because I think on a near-term basis, 650 will be a pretty good selling opportunity in, in dollar CNH. Never forget the fact, of course, that China is a, a very adept currency manager. The one reason I would I would hold off on, on selling dollar CNH right here in front of 650 is because China had its big uptick in yields before the US. And right now, if you look at rates in general in China, they're generally treading water. So I, I think that the better opportunity for, for selling dollar CNH will be up at 650 or, or, or just above 650. The rest of the Asian 
regional currencies should move in alignment with dollar CNH ultimately. And you know, uh, Stephen, I I look at the LATAM complex, and I suspect that even though it's not the same region, we'll see dollar LATAM move more or less in alignment with dollar CNH. Greg, that's a great point to end it on. I think we'll wrap it up there until our next podcast in two weeks' time. Thanks for listening to Global Exchanges. Listen to past episodes and find transcripts at bmocm.com slash global exchanges. We'd love to hear what you thought of today's episode. You can send us an email or reach out to us on Bloomberg. You can listen to this show and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast provider. This show and resources are supported by our team here at BMO, including the FIC Macro Strategy Group and BMO's marketing team. This show is produced and edited by Puddle Creative. This podcast has been prepared with the assistance of employees of Bank of Montreal, BMO Nesbitt Burns Incorporated, and BMO Capital Markets Corporation. Together, BMO, who are involved in fixed income and foreign exchange sales and marketing efforts. Accordingly, it should be considered to be a product of the fixed income and foreign exchange businesses generally, and not a research report that reflects the views of disinterested research analysts. Notwithstanding the foregoing, this podcast should not be construed as an offer or the solicitation of an offer to sell or to buy or subscribe for any particular product or services, including, without limitation, any commodities, securities, or other financial instruments. We are not soliciting any specific action based on this podcast. It is for the general information of our clients. It does not constitute a recommendation or a suggestion that any investment or strategy referenced herein may be suitable for you. It does not take into account the particular investment objectives, financial conditions, or needs of individual clients. Nothing in this podcast constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a representation that any investment or strategy is suitable or appropriate to your unique circumstances, or otherwise constitutes an opinion or a recommendation to you. BMO is not providing advice regarding the value or advisability of trading in commodity interests, including futures contracts and commodity options, or any other activity which would cause BMO or any of its affiliates to be considered a commodity trading advisor under the U.S. Commodity Exchange Act. BMO is not undertaking to act as a swap advisor to you or in your best interests in you, to the extent applicable, will rely solely on advice from your qualified independent representative in making hedging or trading decisions. This podcast is not to be relied upon in substitution for the exercise of independent judgment. You should conduct your own independent analysis of the matters referred to herein, together with your qualified independent representative, if applicable. BMO assumes no responsibility for verification of the information in this podcast. No representation or warranty is made as to the accuracy or completeness of such information, and BMO accepts no liability whatsoever for any loss arising from any use of or reliance on this podcast. BMO assumes no obligation to correct or update this podcast. This podcast does not contain all information that may be required to evaluate any transaction or matter, and information may be available to BMO and or its affiliates that is not reflected herein. BMO and its affiliates may have positions, long or short, and affect transactions or make markets in securities mentioned herein, or provide advice or loans to, or participate in the underwriting or restructuring of the obligations of, issuers and companies mentioned herein. Moreover, BMO's trading desks may have acted on the basis of the information in this podcast. For further information, please go to bmocm.com slash macrohorizons slash legal.